So on Christ the King Sunday, this is a good question to be asking. In Christ the King Sunday 2020, this is a good question to be asking. How can Jesus be the King of Kings when chaos floods our world? Now, some of you remember a show on television a long time ago uh, that we didn't necessarily take very seriously, where I think it was the man of uncle was always fighting with the spies from chaos. Or was that the guy, man, uh, gets smart? I can't remember. Uh, either way, uh, chaos was trying to take over the world as an organization. And this year, chaos did it without any organization. Uh, well, okay, it, it's, you know, we all know about it, but let me remind you, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. Um, Worldwide, nearly 56 million cases of uh, COVID-19 that we know of, because there's whole sections of countries that have no testing. So we have no idea what kind of things are going on there. Uh, nearly 1.4 million people have died globally. I did some quick checking last night. That's a little over half of De metropolitan Detroit gone. The USA, nearly 12 million cases at the last count this week that I had, uh, and uh, about 252,000 deaths. Perspective, we have between 90 and 100,000 people in Bay County. Two and a half Bay Counties are gone from the United States. Michigan, about 310,000 cases, although more have happened in the last couple of days, I'm sure. Over 8,700 deaths. That's more than Essexville, Finn Conning and Auburn combined from our state. Come on. Bay County, about 4,000 cases and 80 deaths. We're in the middle of a pandemic. That's in the news quite a bit, uh, but uh, there are acts of terror that have been going on for you know quite a while that are still continuing. Here's just a sampling. In February, on February the 9th, uh, uh, Boko Harman militants attacked the town of Ono in Nigeria. The attackers opened fire on civilians and set vehicles on fire, killing at least 30 people. Shops and properties were looted, and women and children were abducted by the militants. May 12th, 24 civilians, including two newborns, several nurses, and several nurses were killed when armed men attacked the maternity ward of a hospital in Kabul, Afghanistan. June 6, a gunman armed with a rifle and improvised explosive devices attacked the Santa Cruz County deputies, killed one and injured two others. He was wounded and taken 
into custody. After that, they had connected him to an attack, that, uh, that attack to a fatal drive-by shooting in Oakland the previous month. That attack was against federal protective services officers. October 4th, in Germany, two gay men were stabbed while visiting one of the cities in Germany. One of the victims died, one of the other was critically injured. The suspect was arrested. November 2nd, a gunman opened fire with assault rifles in six different places in Vienna, Austria. He killed four citizens, wounded 23 others, the perpetrator was killed by the police. Pandemic, terrorism. How can Jesus be the King of Kings when chaos floods our world? The 2020 World Watch List from Open Doors, uh, they track the persecution of Christians around the world. They report Every day, eight Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. I'm just going to let that sit. Please don't complain when somebody asks you to wear a mask. Nobody's shooting you or beating you to death. Just saying. Every week, 182 churches or Christian buildings around the world are attacked, burned, or destroyed. Every month, 309 Christians are imprisoned because of their faith. And this doesn't include women and children who are carried off into slavery, sold into sex trafficking, or simply raped and released. A while ago, actually, it was about, if I remember, about right, it was about five years ago that I read this in, in uh, somebody's Facebook page. The man who posted this was Leonard Sweet. He grew up in uh, Pilgrim Holiness uh, home. His mother was a uh, lay pastor in a church that one of our former general superintendents pastored when this man was young. Uh, Leonard Sweet posted, all day long I've been hearing in my head the Oxford limerick, don't panic. Not all limericks are like what you just thought of. <laughs> God's plan made a hopeful beginning, but humans spoiled their chances by sinning. We trust that the story will end in God's glory, but at the present, the other side's winning. That was five years ago. It's worse now. At the present, the other side's winning. 
2020 is is a turbulent year, perhaps the worst we've experienced. Uh, the election, I mean, more people turned out for this last election than any other election in history. And we still are fighting about it. Just this week, just as a little humorous side note, just this week as I was walking in the mailbox to get my mail, I always go looking for the million dollar check. <laughs> Haven't found it yet, but one of these days, who knows? Uh, I go thinking to myself, well, at least I'm not going to get any political postcards right. for a while. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I received a postcard from one of the national parties that will remain unnamed, urging me to make a plan to get out and vote for their candidate a few weeks ago. I think they were late, but I'm not going to count on any of those cards not showing up. Any. I almost said, but at least they're not calling, but I'm not even going to say that's not going to happen either because they always use robots and, you know, robots aren't always that smart. We're, we're submerged in an environment that is constantly, uh, is, is, is immersed and flooded with uh, Changes that are constantly accelerating. Changes are coming fast, and and they're 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 the result of immeasurable interrelations that that are impossible for us to see. Uh, waves on top of other waves crashing into our lives, leaving us dazed, confused, worn out, and distressed. Just when you think you caught your feet again. Here comes three more waves from different directions, and off you go again. <coughs> How can Jesus be the King of Kings when chaos floods our world? Well, folks, we are not the first people to ask these questions, and I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on us because this is part of being human. We ask questions when we don't understand. That's the only way to learn. The first century Christians, uh, the, the people who knew the very first disciples of Jesus, the ones who knew the 12 apostles, asked questions like this. They expected Jesus to return at any moment. And they couldn't figure out why it hadn't happened. You know, what's taking so long? Has he come already? Did we miss it? And this, by the way, was before all the rapture movies that I watched when I was a kid and was frightened into thinking that perhaps I had missed the rapture. That will say for a whole other time of, of study. But uh, has he come? Did we miss it? Were we left behind? What happened? Were we wrong about Jesus? They were thinking, how can Jesus be the King of Kings, the Messiah, the one we think he, we think he is? How can that be true when chaos is flooding our world. The first persecution started in A.D. 67. I want you to remember this, okay? A.D. 67, that's about 34 years after Jesus left the planet. First persecution was under the sixth emperor of Rome, known as Nero, 
some of you may have remembered him. He's got some pretty, he's got a bad reputation. He was a little bit on the nuts side of life. I'm not clinically uh, certified to make that kind of diagnosis, but if you read about him, you'll come probably to the same conclusion. He refined his cruelty and uh, he just invented ways to punish Christians. In particular, he, he would sew people up in the skins of wild animals and then let packs of wild dogs attack them. Others were dressed in clothes soaked with tar and tied to trees and then lit on fire to light a night party in his garden. This persecution wasn't just in Rome, it wasn't just in one location, it was all over the Roman Empire, and the Roman Empire extended far and wide. It's during that persecution that we believe the apostles Peter and Paul were martyred. In a persecution that started just a little over 30 years after Jesus left. Is it any wonder people were wondering, did we miss it? The second persecution was under a, another emperor, Domitian, not, not like the spotted animals, but uh, Domitian, I don't know how to pronounce his name, D-O-M-I-T-I-A-N, whatever that, how you pronounce that, uh, why couldn't he just have a good English name like Joe? <laughs> all right, the Emperor Dom. Let's call him Dom, all right? Uh, he was naturally inclined to cruelty. He started by killing his brother. Uh, and, but he started the second persecution, the second wave of persecution against Christians. His idea was that if there was a famine, an epidemic, an earthquake in one of the Roman provinces, it was obviously the fault of the Christians. So if we get rid of the Christians, we'll stop having these problems. Uh, these persecutions uh, increased the number of people who were informers who would turn their loved ones in. Uh, when, when Christians were brought before the magistrates to decide if they were really Christians or not, uh, they were asked to make an oath, to take an oath and say, Caesar is Lord. Some of you may remember that in the middle of the book of Romans, the letter to the church at Rome, Paul said, nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And these people figured that out. And they forced people to either say Caesar is Lord or die. Or many of them would simply say, no, Jesus is Lord, and then they died. Whether they uh, confessed to be Christians or not, or whether they uh, refused to say the oath or not, it didn't matter if they were brought before the magistrates and didn't say Caesar is Lord, they were killed. Oh, and they also faced a pandemic. called the plague of Galen. Uh, he's the, the, the physician that chronicled this, this plague. Uh, it was an ancient pandemic that affected Turkey, 
Egypt, Greece, and Italy, is thought, we think, it might have been, that they can't tell for sure because, well, it wasn't science like we know it. But they think it was either smallpox or measles. That was a pandemic. I, for one, am thankful for vaccines. Just putting that out there. Uh, they, we really don't know what the cause was, but we think it was either smallpox or measles from the description. Uh, that disease was brought back from the Middle East by Roman soldiers, uh, and unknowingly they spread that disease, and five million people died. How can Jesus be the King of Kings? when chaos floods our world. It was true in the first century, it's true in the 21st century. How can we say Jesus is the King of Kings when chaos floods the world? Well, into this wild and crazy mess of the first century, a message was sent. It's, <laughs> it's a book that well, I'm just going to tell you that John Wesley said he understood the first three chapters, but after that, he was totally lost. Having read what he thought about the first three chapters, I think he was pretty well on target for most of it, that part, but not all of it. Yes, we're going to talk about the last book in the books collected in our Bibles, the book of Revelation. Now, we often approach that last book in the, in, as, as though it's a revelation of future events. But that isn't the title of the book. The first sentence gives us the title of the book. The first sentence, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, starts with these words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. The book of Revelation, the last book of, in our Bibles, is a message about Jesus from Jesus. So we're going to ask ourselves this morning, what does Jesus reveal about himself? How does he answer our persistent question? How can he be the king of kings when our world is flooded with chaos? So quick overview. Not gonna, not gonna, I'm just going to hit high spots here real quick. The message about King Jesus from King Jesus declares several things about him. It first of all says that Jesus is the faithful martyr, the faithful witness, the first to rise from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth. He deserves our worship because his blood sacrifice, his sacrifice on the cross sets us free from our sins. King Jesus is the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the living one who died but is alive now forever. He holds the keys of death and the grave. King Jesus is not far from the churches and knows all of them in detail. That's why he wrote letters to them in chapters 2 and 3. Chapter 4 we find out, and 5, we find out that King Jesus is like a slaughtered lamb. No, actually it says he is a slaughtered lamb. Take, take for a moment. Have any of you been in a butcher shop and seen a slaughtered lamb? 
When it's slaughtered, what kind of pieces do you have? Lots of pieces, right? That slaughtered lamb sits on the throne with the king, with God. He sits on the throne of heaven with God Almighty. Because that slaughtered lamb is alive. He's also the Lion of Judah. King Jesus deserves and receives the worship of all creatures in heaven and on earth and under the earth. King Jesus is going to return as a victorious warrior. See, the message about King Jesus from King Jesus was sent as an encouragement to people going through a time similar to what we're going through. Only, frankly, much worse. Well, are you really sure, Pastor? Yeah, I'm really sure, because I wasn't uh, worried about getting arrested as I walked into the church building this morning. I don't think I'm going to get shot in the parking lot. <laughs> well, it depends on how the rest of this message goes and whether you are packing. But let's just say, I don't expect it to happen because it's against the law to be a Christian. It's not for us. There are places where it is, but not for us. These people, this message about Jesus, from Jesus, was meant to be an encouragement to people facing things far worse than us. And he says... If anyone is meant for this may not sound encouraging at first, but hang in there. If anyone is meant for captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed by the sword, then the by the sword he must be killed. This requires steadfast endurance and faith from the saints. By the way, suffering and, and steadfast endurance are a theme that runs through the book that's a message from Jesus about Jesus, a regular message to us. Jesus said something very similar to this statement. You know, the statement, this requires steadfast endurance and faith from the saints. Trouble's coming, he says, and you need to be steadfast and endure and faith have trust. Uh, Jesus said something very similar to, to this in, on the evening before his death he, as he spoke to the, his apostles. He said, in the world you will have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. But take courage, be confident, and undaunted, for I have overcome the world. I call this, and I'm not the only one, but I call this the least quoted promise of Jesus in the Bible. In the world, you will have tribulation, trials, distress, and frustration. Oh, really? Did you have to tell us that? And his answer is yes, because I want you to know the truth. This is a broken world filled with broken people who break each other. In this world, you're going to face tribulation, trials, distress, frustration. But I 
have overcome the world. This is not the end of the story. Life in this world requires steadfast endurance and faith from the saints. The final chapter of this message about Jesus, King Jesus, from King Jesus, begins with two promises from Jesus. The first, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, he says, look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps or obeys the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. What was he talking about? This requires steadfast endurance and faith from the saints. That's what he's calling us to here. Blessed is the one who stead with steadfast endurance and faith goes through whatever happens here. Then he says, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Now, I want you to listen to the next few verses. This is kind of like a conversation. Jesus says something and there's a response and Jesus says something else and then there's a response. And so it starts like this, Revelation chapter 22 verse 16 I Jesus have sent my angel or my messenger to give you this testimony for the churches I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star the spirit and the bride that's the church the spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. He who testifies to these things, that would be Jesus. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. In other words, Jesus says, saying to us, uh, don't give up your hope. The story of King Jesus and his kingdom is not finished. In fact, the best is yet to come. It's going to be bad. In fact, it will probably get worse. Oh, I'm, yeah, I know people are going to love me for that statement, but it's true. You might as well know it. Uh, it's going to get worse. But the best is yet to come. Now, allow me to edit that little rhyme that we, I read earlier, okay? I, because I think it needs a little bit of work. I want to tweak it, so to speak. God's plan made a hopeful beginning... But humans spoil their chances by sinning. We trust that the story will end in God's glory, but for now. But for now, the other side seems to be winning. For now, 
the other side merely seems to be winning. It looked like they won and were winning when they nailed him to a cross outside of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But in actuality, they were getting... They were being defeated. I'm sorry, I had to edit something. Yes, pastors need to do that sometimes. Or they will be shot in the parking lot. Figuratively, at least. Alright, so... Even in those moments when it looks like we're losing the worst possible, in the worst possible way, we're not. This is the weird thing about God's kingdom. It's weird to us because it just doesn't seem to be the way we do things. God's kingdom wins by losing. You live by dying. What? Like Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the one that told us. So here. Here's a sermon in a sentence. I made my own little rhyme. Not as good as that. You know, it doesn't have that. But here it is. It may not make the news and it may not shape society's views, but friends, you can sing because Jesus is the king. No ifs, no ands, no buts. He is the king. And he extends his kingdom. His kingdom is growing every single time a person, any person, anywhere in this world says yes to the Holy Spirit's invitation to join God's family. Every single time. And not a day goes by when there aren't hundreds, if not thousands, who say yes to him. And you know what the amazing thing is? Some of the ones who say yes to him, okay, let me just be honest. Most of the ones who say yes to him are living in places where it's going to cost them way more than it will cost anybody here. The late Dr. S.M. Lockridge was a pastor from San Diego, California. He was speaking in 1976 to a group of people in Detroit. He was talking about the Lord's Prayer. Um, if, if you Google it, you might be able to find the whole sermon, but this is just, I want to share a part of the sermon. And actually, I'm only going to share some of what I call the highlights. Um, there are all kinds of people I want to see when I get to, to heaven I hope I get to stand next to this guy and just ask him a little question like hey so Dr. Lockridge would you tell me about Jesus you, you'll see why in just a moment this is, this is some uh, these are the things that stand out to me this, this is not the whole thing but he says my king was born king He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Now, that's my king. There are no means of measure that can define his limitless love. No barriers can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. 
He's enduringly strong, entirely sincere, eternally steadfast, immortally graceful, imperially powerful, impartially merciful. That's my king. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He's supreme. He's preeminent. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers, forgives sinners, discharges debtors, delivers the captives, defends the feeble, blesses the young, serves the unfortunate, regards the aged, rewards the diligent, and he beautifies the meek. That's my king. Do you know him? <clears throat> He's the governor of governors. He's the prince of princes. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. His promises are sure. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His grace is sufficient. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. And then he says, I wish I could describe him to you. But he's indescribable, incomprehensible. He's invincible and he's irresistible. He had no predecessor. He'll have no successor. There's nobody before him and there'll be nobody after him. You can't impeach him. And he's not going to resign. That's my king. That's our king. Now, Maybe it's just me. But it seems to me that many Christians, particularly here in our nation, the U.S., tend toward gloom and despair. We've been swept away in a tsunami of, of fear and doomsday warnings. And many of us act as if the forces of evil have dethroned Jesus. We're wondering, how can Jesus be the King of Kings when chaos floods our world? Now, again, we aren't alone in this confusion. We aren't the first to wonder. But we may be the last. Think about that for a moment. Let me, allow me a moment to, to remind you of a few facts about our King. King Jesus began to reign when he entered Mary's womb. King Jesus, his, his kingdom grew as he healed the sick, fed the hungry, and taught the spiritually lost and confused. His kingdom grew deeper and wider through his death and resurrection. It grew even deeper and wider when the Holy Spirit birthed the church on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. And it continues to grow even deeper and wider as it spreads around the world. His kingdom extent is extended every time a person says yes to the Holy Spirit's invitation to be a part of God's family. And one day, Soon and very soon, we are going to see the king. Soon and very soon, we will see King Jesus ruling as the uncontested king of kings. 
Soon, very soon, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is the absolute, ultimate master of everything and everyone. Soon and very soon, the choirs of angels and saints will sing the hallelujah chorus. It's recorded in Revelation 19. Hallelujah for the, our Lord God Almighty reigns. What can you do in a world flooded by chaos in the meantime? What can you do with all the confusion? I want you to know that King Jesus wants to free you from fear and fill you with faithful hope. Now, hope is confident expectation when we talk about it from God's perspective. It's, it's what you plan on. Despite the problems and the appearances, you expect this. And Jesus invites us to exchange fear for hope. Hope doesn't say, no, there's not a problem. That's called denial. That's a whole other problem. That's just a tool for dealing with fear. Want to exchange your fear. Give your fear to Him and receive hope from Him. That this story's not over. He's not done. He's not been dethroned. He's not abdicated. He's still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. He will see His people through. Amen. King Jesus wants you to know that He lives and reigns. He reigns now and He will reign as uncontested, unchallenged King of Kings. So trust Jesus in the face of the chaos. We're, if you're looking for something solid to stand on, let me introduce you to the solid rock. His name is Jesus. Storms won't go away. Storms may get worse. But when your feet are firmly planted and your trust is firmly anchored in Jesus, He'll see you through. You see, it may not make the news and it may not shape society's views, but you, my friends, can sing because Jesus is the King. Jesus also wants you to act. He wants you to pray. Pray for those who don't recognize who he is yet. Pray for each other. Not only in our congregation, but in other congregations around our community and around the world. Let's just pray especially for those who are really facing persecution, not just inconvenience. <laughs> pray for his return. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. He also wants us to work. Uh, the invitation that is part of that little 
give and take conversation we read earlier. There's a three-part invitation there when Jesus says, come. Uh, first, the Spirit and the bride, or the church, the Spirit and the church say, come, Jesus. We welcome you. And then, let the one who hears, it's everyone who follows Jesus, says, come. So the church and the Spirit say, come. The followers of Jesus say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, let the one who wants to take the water of life free of charge, come. Every thirsty soul, every person who recognizes his or her need for Jesus, they will acknowledge that Jesus is their king and in the, he is the ultimate authority in their lives. And we're to work to help people know that about Jesus. And the first step is praying for people. We cannot help anybody know Jesus unless the Holy Spirit works in them through us. And we will never be able to be there until the Holy Spirit meets with us and we meet with Him in prayer. It may not make the news, folks. And it won't shape uh, society's views, but you can sing because Jesus really is the King. I want to remind you that every minute that passes on the clock brings us closer to that moment when every knee bows and every tongue confesses that He is Lord. Every second that clicks by brings us that much closer to the moment He rules without a single challenger. But please, don't wait till then. The greatest treasure remains for those who choose Jesus now. So are you hearing the invitation from God's Holy Spirit? Do you hear Him say, come? <clears throat> are you thirsty for God's love and transforming grace? Are you ready to recognize King Jesus as your ultimate authority? Your only Lord, your King. Will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, you are. You are the King of glory. You are the Lord of lords and the King of kings. Your kingdom come, your will be done in us and in this world as it is in heaven. Lord, we yearn for your kingdom to come right here, right now. We long to experience righteousness, peace, and joy in your Holy Spirit. 
despite the flood of chaos in our world, we ask you to establish holy justice, holy hope, holy love in each of us and in all of us. Lord, we ask you to rule our lives. Lead this congregation. Govern this planet with your amazing grace, compassion, and mercy. King Jesus, as you know, and we are reluctant to admit, but it's true, we frequently grab for control. We have our plans about what needs to be done and when it needs to be done. We have plans on who needs to do it and, and how they should do what we think needs to be done. We confess that we want to be rulers of our small corners of this world. But here and now in your presence, we recognize that for what it truly is. Rebellion against the King of Kings, who is the King of every corner of every one of our worlds. Forgive us and set us free to live in surrender to you. Teach us to pray the prayer you prayed in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, you're the king who loves and serves your people, even the ones who refuse to join your kingdom family. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your kindness. Thank you for your generous peace, your generous grace. Thank you for your measureless love. We join the saints from around the world and all of the ages and pray come King Jesus rule in each life fill us with your love and power through your Holy Spirit Amen well I want to thank you for connecting with us this morning if you haven't already, and you're on Facebook, I want to encourage you to join the, our Facebook group, The Champions of Hope. It's on, you can find it through the church Facebook page, uh, or you can find the link in the online description. Uh, you're going to receive some unique contact, content and opportunities to connect with others. So, in case you've forgotten since last week, as you go to live as sent ones. May the beauty of Jesus shine in your eyes. May the beauty of Jesus, may the love of Jesus shine in your actions. May the wisdom of Jesus shine in your words. May the grace of Jesus flow from your heart into the lives of the people around us who so desperately need it. <clears throat> You are sent. Go with the Holy Spirit.